With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin Daf Lamed Zayin, page thirty-seven. We begin five lines in Amar Yehuda Amar Shmuel. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, Yisemin and Tzrichim Prosbol. Orphans do not need a prosbol, which means that even if they don't write a document that says that their loan should be given over to the bezin to collect to the courts, nevertheless the courts are in charge. V'chein Tani Rami Barchama, and so too similarly Rami Barchama learned Yisemin and Tzrichim Prosbol. Yisomin, the orphans do not require any kind of prosbol to cancel, to prevent their loan from being canceled, the money that's owed to them. Because Rami Gamliel and the high court, or in any generation, any great rabbi and the high court, they're considered the father of the Yisomin, of the orphans, and therefore they're going to make sure to collect the money for them, and therefore it's given over to the courts, it's considered like not a private loan, and therefore it's not canceled by Shemitah. Tanan Hasim, we learned over there in the Mishnah. The only way that you can write a, a prosbul is only if the person who borrowed the money has some kind of uh, land to his name. If he doesn't have a name, so the Malva, the person who lent the money, can give him a piece of land within his property. Even a small amount. The Kama Kalshu was considered the small amount. Bar Ashim Rav, Rav Chia Bar Rav Ashi said in the name of Rav, Afilo Kelach Shalkruv, even the amount of space that it takes up for one sprout of a cabbage. So you just need a small piece of land. The person who borrowed the money has to have the small piece of land that he owns in order for the principle to be written. And Rashi explains that the reason that you need this piece of land, the lover, the person who's borrowing, has to have a small piece of land, is because the rabbis only decree this concept of prisbal in a regular case. And Rashi explains that a regular case is only when the person who's borrowing the money has some kind of piece of land. So he has to have at least a small piece, like we said, in order to be able to grow some kind of small cabbage. Amar of Yehuda, Yehuda says, Even if all he did was lend him a, a certain amount of land in order to place over there some kind of oven. So that's considered enough. Even the fact that he doesn't own any piece of land, so the fact that he has, he's borrowed, that's going to be considered good enough. Aini, the Gemara asks, is it so that it's enough if you just borrowed that small piece of land? Vatani Hillel, Hillel learned the following b'raisa, The only type of flower pot, let's say you have a flower pot and inside of it there's dirt. So it's considered that you have some kind of karka, some kind of land. But it's only if the flower pot has a hole in it. So knuckle in, shin and knuckle low. It's only because it has a hole. But if it doesn't have a hole, then it's not going to be good enough. And what's the difference if it has a hole? If it has a hole, then it's considered that the ground that's inside of that flower pot is considered yours. Let's say it belongs to the low of the borrower. And therefore, it's considered he has karka. And it's considered attached to the ground because there's a hole in the pot. So now, Amai, why is this? So what do you need to have a hole in the pot? The fact that you have a pot and it's sitting on a piece of ground, usually you don't have your pot, you have your pot in a place that's yours. So where do you have it? You have it in a place that's yours, either that it's yours, you belong, belongs to you, or you borrowed it. So according to your view, this should be enough. So Gemara says, No, the case is not where it's actually on a piece of land that's yours or that you borrowed. The Monachasichi, rather it's, it's a flower pot that has a hole in it or doesn't have a hole in it that's standing on some kind of little uh, pegs that are holding it up. So now, if your flower pot has a hole in it, so then it's considered that this flower pot is attached to the ground and you have a piece of land, or the lova has a piece of land. But if it doesn't have a hole in it, then it's not considered attached to the ground, and it doesn't have any piece of land, therefore you can't write a prosbol in such a case. Rav Ashi, what he would do is, when he lent money to somebody, and he wanted to write a prosbol for that money that he lent, so he would give that person over the trunk of a tree. So even though he didn't actually give him the piece of land, but since the trunk of that tree is attached to the ground, maybe it's called buttle to the ground, it's nullified in regards to the ground, therefore it's considered that he has a piece of land. Because of a lay prosbol, and with that he would write him a prosbol. Rabbana in the beer of Ashi, 
the rabbis of the, the yeshiva of Ravashi, so they, instead of actually writing any kind of principle, they would actually just say over to each other, they would sit down as a court, and they would say over to the court that uh, I'm giving it over to you without actually writing that he's giving it over, and that would be considered enough. Rabbi Yenison said over to Rabbi Chibar Abba that I want you to be in charge of collecting my loan. So he said, do I need anything else? You don't need anything else. We learned in a brisa. In like karka, ula arviyesh like karka. Let's say he does not. The, the person he's lending the money to does not have any kind of land, but the arv, the guarantor, does have some land. So that's enough for us to be able to write a prisbol. Let's say to both the person that he lent the money to and the guarantor, they, neither of them have any kind of land. But someone who owes the person who borrowed the money, there's someone else who owes that guy money, and he does have a piece of karka, meaning Reuven lent money to Shimon, and Shimon lent money to Levi. Now, Shimon does not have any kind of land, so can Reuven write any kind of uh, prisbol? So only if Levi, if Levi has karka, so then he can indeed. That's what we're saying. So, we all have the ability to write a principle based on the concept of Rabbi Nassim, the Tanya Rabbi Nassim. I mean, we learned that Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Nassim says, If let's say one guy owes one guy money, and another guy owes that guy money, meaning like our case of Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, Levi owes Shimon, and Shimon owes Ruvain. So, how do you know that Ruvain doesn't have to go to Shimon, he can bypass Shimon and go straight to Levi? That's the verses of Asher Asham Lai. He gives it to that to, to the one who it is owed to him. So therefore now, when Ruvain wants to write a prosbol, the fact that Levi has a piece of land is good enough because that land could be considered given to Shimon and given to Ruvain. And therefore, it's not considered that he's a negis, it's not considered that he has to press anybody because it's considered that he's already gotten paid, like we said previously, as long as there's a piece of land. Tanan Hasim, we learned in a Mishnah over there. Hashviyas, Meshametetes Amalva, Bein Bishtar, Bein Shalei Bishtar. So now, the Shmit year, so it's going to cancel loans, whether the loans are with a document or without a document. Now, we're going to see that according to Rav and Shmuel, it's not so clear that when we say that there's no document, it means literally what it says. Rav and Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel both say, Bishtar, what does it mean when we say that there is some kind of document? Shtar sheish by achayis nechasim. What we mean is that you have a document that states that you can collect from some kind of karka, some kind of ground. Shaloi bishtar, what does it mean that there is no shtar? She'ein by achayis nechasim. So it means that there is no opportunity. It's not written in the shtar. There is some kind of document, but you can't. It doesn't say in the in the in the document that you can collect from some kind of land. So now kol shekain milval pes. If we say then in these two cases that. You can indeed, it does indeed cancel these cases. So certainly in a case where it's a milva alpeh, where they just, they didn't even have a document stating that this loan took place, but they just did it by word of mouth. So certainly it's going to get canceled because there, you can't collect from the chasim eshubadim from any kind of land that was owned by the person who's, who's borrowing the money at the time. Rabbi Yechon Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. So now, there's an argument, because Rabbi Shimon will say it that way, but Rabbi Yechon Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish says, follows. Rabbi Tarvay, they both say, Bishtar, what does it mean that we have a document? Shtar she'en bayacharais nechasim. That document that we're talking about is one that does not say on it that you can collect from some kind of land that there's a default on the loan. Shaloi bishtar, what does it mean that there is no document? It means literally what it says, milval pet, where they had a verbal agreement, they, they verbally, they lent the money without writing any kind of document. Shtar she'yesh bayacharais nechasim, however, according to Rabbi Yechon and Lakish, if there is a document and it says that you can indeed collect from some kind of land, so Shemitah is not going to cancel it out, like we said, because since there's land, it's considered that you've collected, you've considered that you got that piece of land, and therefore, uh, the Shemitah will not come and cancel that loan.
We have a brisa that seems to imply clearly, like the sheet of this concept that Rabbi Yechon and Rabbi Shimon Melakish said. If you have some kind of star that says on it that someone owes money, so Shemitah is going to cancel it. But if it says on it that he can come and collect from some kind of land, then Shemitah will not cancel it. So it's clearly like that. We have another brisa. Let's say he specified that this land is going to be what you can collect from if I don't pay my loan. So Shemitah does not come and cancel it. Not only that, even if you wrote to him, all of my possessions are responsible to you, and they will guarantee that if I don't pay, you can come and collect from everything. So Shemitah is not going to come and cancel out that loan. So we see clearly, like Rabbi Yechon Rishlakish, that indeed Shemitah will not cancel a loan if there is a possibility to collect from land. Created Rabbi Asi, the relative of Rabbi Asi, he had a certain document, it said on it that if the person doesn't pay back, so he can collect from land. So he came in front of Rabbi Asi, does Shemitah cancel out this document or not? So Rabbi Asi was a student of Rabbi Yechanan, so he said, my Rabbi taught me that it doesn't cancel. Meaning, it, the, the, you can still collect after Shemitah. And he came in front of Rabbi Yechanan, and he wanted to hear from the Rabbi's mouth. What did Rabbi Yechanan say? He said, not like he said earlier. He said that indeed Shemitah does cancel it. So Rabbi Yasi heard about this. He came from Rabbi Yechanan. So he asked him, is it true? Is it, does it cancel or not cancel? So Rabbi Yechanan says, indeed Shemitah will cancel the loan. So Biasi says, what do you mean, Rabbi? You said that, that uh, indeed Shemitah will not cancel it. So he responded and said, Just because we have a svar, we think that this is how it should be. Are we going to give money to somebody or take away money from somebody who doesn't really shouldn't really be taken away from? Meaning, this is something Rashi explains that Rabbi Yochanan had not heard from his own Rabbi, but they said it on their own, with their own svar, with their own understanding. So Rabbi Yochanan said, based on our own understanding, we're not going to just take money and, and move things around and take things away from the way it should be, from the status quo. But rather, we'll leave it at his, as it is. And therefore, he said that indeed Shemitah will indeed cancel this loan. Amar Lay, so now Rabbi Asi is not going to go down without a fight. Vatanya, we had a brisa like you said. Amar Lay, Dilmahi Veshamihi. So Rabbi Yechon responded and said, it's not, it's not for sure an ironclad proof, because perhaps that brisa is Beshamai, the Amri, and we don't pass it like Beshamai, the Amri, that they say, that there's a concept according to Beshamai, that you have a star that's already considered, we consider it as if it's collected, even though you haven't actually collected it yet. There's such a concept. So therefore, it could be according to them, and that's why that's why in that brisa, so so Shemitah is not going to cancel it out. Tanan Hasan, we learned in a mission over there. Hamalves chaveri mois alamashkin. If let's say somebody lends somebody else money with some kind of collateral, and if somebody gives over his star, his document to the courts to collect for him, so so Shemitah is not going to cancel out this loan. We understand if you gave over your document to the courts to collect the tafsilu beidina that bezdin. So it's considered that they're holding on to the land, and therefore, since bezdin, Rashi says hefker bezdin is hefker. Bezdin has the ability to take away money from from people. So therefore, it's considered that uh, there's no problem with the yikos, and there's no concept of Shemitah canceling out the loan.
However, my what's the understanding? If I give you collateral, if Ruven lends money to Shimon, and Shimon gives him a shirt and says, if I don't pay you back, so then you, sh- you can keep the shirt. So why is it that the loan doesn't get canceled? Amarava, Rav explains to Tafasle. Since Ruven is holding on to Shimon's shirt, so it's consi- so he's not going to go and run after Shimon to pay him. Because he's got, he's got what he, he knows that Shimon's going to want his shirt back, he's going to pay him. Or if he doesn't pay him, so then he's got the shirt at least. So he's not going to be running after him, and ser- since he's not going to be running after him, therefore it doesn't fall under the category of those things that the Torah says are loans that get canceled. So Abayi says, If that's the case, he'll veyu. Let's say I lent money to, to someone else. And then I was went. I lent, Ruvain lent money to Shimon. And then Ruvain is now living in Shimon's courtyard. The toughest lay. So if Ruven is living in Shimon's courtyard, so it should be considered that he's he's tofis, he has a possession, so to speak, on something which belongs to, Sh- to Shimon, and therefore uh, Shemitah shouldn't cancel it, and we know that's not true. So the Gemara answers, It's different when you have collateral, the kanile, because you actually have some kind of kenyan in it, you've actually acquired it. Like the statement of Rabbi Yitzchak, How do we know that a person who has lent out money, that he actually owns the collateral? The verse says, It shall be a righteousness for you. The verse says that you have to give back the person what he needs. If let's say you borrow, his pillow is his collateral, and he needs to go to sleep, he's a poor guy, he doesn't have a pillow, so you have to give it back to him at night. He gives it back to you in the morning, and when you give it back to him at night, so it's it's considered a charity. So what is it? What kind of charity is it if you're giving back his own thing? If you're not kona, if you don't have some kind of acquisition in it, then what kind of righteousness is it? You give it back to him. It's his thing. So from here, Yitzchak learned out that if you have some kind of collateral, indeed the person who has the bachov, the person who's owed the money, who now has his collateral by him, it's considered that he owns it. So therefore, as long as he has that thing, so Shemitah is not going to cancel it. But if he stam is going into his courtyard, Reuven is, is sleeping inside of Shimon's courtyard, it's not going to prevent the loan from being cancelled. The Gemara continues, Tanan Hasan, we learned over there, we turn to Lamed Zainam, page 37b. Somebody who returns some kind of money that he's owed, and it's after Shemitah, meaning Shemitah already cancelled this loan, he wants to come and return it. So Ruven, who lent the money, has to say to Shimon, who's trying to return the money, that I have cancelled the loan, the loan is cancelled. And if now Shimon, who wants to pay back, says, you know, despite the fact that it's cancelled, I still want to pay you back, so he's allowed to receive it. As the verse says, this is the matter of the Shemitah. Rashi explains this means that there, there has to be some kind of dialogue. Dvar, the word matter, can also be translated as word. There has to be words that are going on between them. Rabbi says, Rabbis extend this much further, and he says that not only that, but when I say, you come to me and you say, I want to pay you back, and I say, you know what? The Shemitah has canceled out the loan. I have the ability now, the person who lent the money, I have the ability to go and take you by your collar, stick you up on the wall and say, I want you now to say that you're going to give me the money anyway. I have the ability to say that, which is an unbelievable chiddush that Rabbis says. So now the Gemara asks, Eisve Abaye. So Abaye asks on Rabba, Kishu it says in a Brisa that when he gives it over to him, he shouldn't say to him, I'm giving it, I'm giving you the money that I owe you. It is, he should say like this, it's mine. I'm giving it to you as a present. So what do we see? We see over here that you can't force him. You see clearly that uh, he's giving it over as a present. So Rabbi responded, No, he can hang him up and put him against the wall and say to him, You better say to me that you're giving it to me as a present. So Abba Bar Marta, the Haba Abba Bar Minyami, Abba Bar Marta, who was also known as Abba, the son of Minyami, Haba Masik Be Rabba Zuze. So Rabba owed, Rabba, I'm sorry, was owed money by this guy. Aisinu Nihale, 
Bishvius. After Shemitah was over, so he came and he brought in the money. So Rabbi said to him, I'm canceling the loan. The loan has been canceled. So Rabbi Berminyomi, what did he do? He took the money and he left. So Abai found Rabbi that he was upset. So he said, why, why are you so upset? He told him what happened. So Abai went over to Abba Berminyomi. You, did you bring the money to, to Rabbah? Amarle in? He said, yes, I did. Amarle, umay amarlecha. So Abayah says to Abba Marmanyomi, what did he tell you? Amarle, mishamitani. He said, he told me that he was canceling the loan. Amarle, va'amrasle afal pikein. Did you say to him that nevertheless I'm still going to pay you? Amarle, loy. So he said, no, I didn't say that. Amarle, va'amrasle afal pikein. You should know that if you would have said that, he would have taken the money from you. So he said, now, however, you should go and you should bring it to him. And you can still say to him that despite the fact that you said it's being canceled, I'm going to pay you anyway. He went and he brought it to him. And he said to him, nevertheless, I want to give it to you. And Rabbah took it from him. And he said, And he said, Rabbi said about this guy, Barminyomi, that he didn't realize at the beginning what he was supposed to do. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav, Nachman, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav Nachman, Neman Adam Loim, a prosbol haya biyadi. A person is believed to say that I had a prosbol, that I did indeed write it, and I lost it. My time, what's the reason why he's believed to say this? Given the Takinu Rabbanu prosbol, since the rabbis have established that there's a concept of prosbol, Leshavik Heterav Achel Yisur, a person wouldn't go, if he has a way to do something in a permitted way, he wouldn't go and do it in a, in a way that's not permitted. When we can assume, we have every right to assume that indeed he had this prosbol and he lost it. When those there were certain people who came in front of Rav with a similar case, so they said. So he said to them. Rav said to them, "Did you have some kind of prosbol and it was lost?" In this case, it's considered like the verse that says that we should open up the mouth of a mute person. Meaning, if a person doesn't know that he can make a claim, so he's allowed. We we help him out and we try to help him make that claim for himself. So that's what he said to them. If you lost your prosbol, if you had a prosbol and you lost it, so then that's going to be fine. Tonight we learned on a mission of So here the Mishnah says that if he doesn't have his prosbol with him, he doesn't get the money, despite the fact that it could be that he lost it. But it doesn't make any kind of distinction whether he lost it or whether he didn't lose it. So the Gemara says Tanahi, it's actually Machlokas Tanahim. The time we have a Brisa, Hamoitzi Shtarchoi, Tsarche Imai Prusbol. Somebody wants to get paid, so he has to have his Prusbol with him. Bachachamim Arim Enosach. Bachachamim say he doesn't need it. Rashi explains that's because that he can say that he lost it. Masisim, we begin the Mishnah. Eved Shanishba, brand new concept. Somebody, now we're talking about an Eved, a slave, Shanishba, that he was captured by non Jews, Ufidauhu, and he was redeemed by a Jew. If the other Jew, now the person who redeemed him was not his original master. So now when he redeems him, if he did it so that he should become in servitude again, so then he continues his servitude. But if he redeemed him in such a way that he wanted him to become free, he does not go and he does not continue his servitude. Either way, whether the person who redeemed him redeemed him in order that he remain in servitude or whether he redeemed him in order to free him, Nevertheless, he continues his servitude. Gemara. Let's see the Gemara. But Mayaskin, what are we talking about? If we're talking about before the original owner gave up hope of ever seeing his slave again, so if he freed him in order to be free, why doesn't he go back to his original owner? The original owner never gave up hope of receiving back his slave again. So what's the case? It must be after he gave, back, gave up on receiving back 
his slave. So if let's say the second guy is releasing him, redeeming him in order to make him a slave again, why does he have to be a slave again? The original owner gave up hope of him. So he should be freed. Abaye says, Abaye says, I'll tell you, we're talking about before any kind of giving up. If let's say he redeemed him in order to go to go into servitude, so he goes back naturally to his original master. However, if he freed him in order to go out free, so then he does not have to remain in servitude, not to the original master, and not to the person who is now redeeming him, and not to the second master, the Halashim ben Chayrin Parke, because he took him out, he redeemed him in order that he go free. So the first guy, the original master, he doesn't he doesn't have to go back to why because we're afraid that if people are, are, are aware of the fact that he's going to end up staying in servitude, so they're not going to free him, meaning people only, when they're thinking about freeing somebody, they only free somebody who they know is going to be a free man. He's going to end up being a free man. But people aren't rugged, they aren't accustomed to wanting to, or they think that there's no mitzvah, perhaps there is no mitzvah, to, to redeem somebody who's going to be a slave. Says, no. That either way he has to remain in servitude, because he holds Just like there's a commandment for a person to redeem somebody who's been enslaved or captured by, by a non-Jew, whether or not this is true, whether or not he's a person who's a slave or a free man. So therefore, even if he's a slave, so he still is going to be redeemed by people, and therefore we don't have to allow him to go free in order for people to have to to want to redeem him, according to Rishon Gamliel. Rav Amar says, "La'edon Really, I'll tell you that the case is not talking about where he has not given up yet, but rather he has indeed, the original owner has indeed given up. When we say that he's going to remain in servitude, it doesn't mean that he's going back to the original owner, but rather he's going to remain a slave to the person who's now redeeming him. But when he's redeemed to go free, then he doesn't go out, he doesn't go and have to be remain a slave for either the first master nor the second master. So he doesn't have to go back. To, he doesn't have to go to the one who redeemed him because the one who redeemed him redeemed him in order to free him. He doesn't have to go back to the original master. Because we're talking about after the original master gave up hope from having him. Either way, he does indeed have to remain enslaved. Why? Why should that possibly be if he if he has already given up hope from him? Chizkia says, why is it true that we say that either way he has to be enslaved, even if he was redeemed to go out free? So that people, these slaves, shouldn't go and allow themselves to become captured and thus buy themselves freedom, so to speak. So Chizkia wanted to prevent it, though. So he said that even if they, if, even if they get captured and they're redeemed, nevertheless, they still remain in servitude. Now the Gemara asks, Meisve, I'll ask you a question. Amar lehen Rabbi Shimeng Malil, Rabbi Shimeng Ben Gamliel said to them, this is a b'raisa, Kishem shem mitzvah liftaisas b'nei chern, kach mitzvah liftaisas ha'avodim. He responded and said the reason why he's saying that they indeed remain in servitude is because no matter what, people will still redeem them because people know that it's a mitzvah to redeem people whether they're a slave or they're not a slave. So clearly here that it's like Abaye. Bishlam Abaye, it's good according to Abaye, that we're talking about a case before there was any kind of giving up on behalf of the person who originally owned him. That's why he's saying Kishem. So according to Rava, the cases where we're talking about after the first guy originally gave up, Hai Kishem Mishum Dechizkiyahu, 
it shouldn't say anything about Kishem, that there's a mitzvah to redeem slaves also. It should talk about Chizkiah's reasoning, that it only has to do with the fact that the guy's going to go and he's going to throw himself to the to the dog, so to speak. He's going to allow himself to be captured. Sarah was going to respond like this. He didn't understand what the rabbis were saying. And this is what he meant. If you're telling me that he's freed, and we're talking about before Yeyush, that's what we're talking about. So then, then we understand why he's saying that we don't have to free him for this reason because he can, he can always go back to the original servitude and, and people will still redeem him because they know that there's a mitzvah to redeem slaves. And if you want to say that we're talking about after Yeyush, that's what we're talking about, I would tell you, like Chizkiah said, that we don't want people to go and give themselves over to be captured. According to Rav, who says that we're talking about a case after he already gave up, and he's going, who is he going to be enslaved to? He's going to be enslaved to the second master. Who is he acquiring the slave from, the second master, this person who's redeeming him? He's acquiring him from those who have captured him. Sigmar says, wait, Shaboy Gufei Mi Konile. Is it true that the ones who captured him, so they also have been Kone, they've acquired him? How did they do that? Sigmar says, in Konile. They were able to acquire him for his, for his, whatever he produces. Meaning they didn't actually own his body, but they were able to acquire him for his, whatever he produces with his hands. Damar Eshlagash says, that he has the ability to acquire another non Jew for his produce. Shanemar, the verse says, also from those people that are living with you, those non-Jews, you're allowed, it's talking about Jews, so a Jew is allowed to acquire a non-Jew. So you have the ability to be able to acquire them. We turn on to Lamed Chesamad Aleph, page 38a, but they don't have the ability to acquire somebody from you. They don't have the ability to acquire from each other. Hold on a second, let's see what this means. You might think that they can't acquire one another at all, so we're going to say soon that they can indeed. Hold on a second, Omar says, wait, what do you mean? That you might think that they can't, but they can acquire each other. They don't have the ability to acquire one from the other. So the Gemara says, there's two different things. They don't have the ability to acquire from each other the body of another non-Jew. Of, so however you might think that they can't but they, they do have the ability but you might think that they don't have the ability to even acquire the the, the produce of their hands so therefore we say a non-Jew has the ability to acquire a Jew insofar as the produce of his hands a non-Jew who wants to acquire another non-Jew like Kalshikin certainly he has the ability to acquire him so that's how this non-Jew acquired the slave, and therefore he has the ability to acquire the Maisei his produce, and that's how the Jew, the second master, has the ability to acquire from this non-Jew this slave. So now we're going to just finish a few more lines, so we finish the topic. Says, Maybe it's only true if you buy him, you acquire him with money. But who says a non-Jew has the ability to acquire another non-Jew, or a Jew for that matter, with Chazaka by actually grabbing him? How did these captures acquire him? Maybe not. Papa says, We find that there's a concept that Amon and Moab, they took over the land of Sichon. How did they get the land of Sichon? They took it with Chazaka with force. So you see that Chazaka does indeed work. This acquiring through force indeed has the ability to take, he's considered that they took over the land. So the Gemara says, We find that it's true, a non-Jew acquiring a non-Jew. How do we know that a non-Jew has the ability to acquire a Jew? The verse says, 
that the non-Jews, they took some kind of captivity, captives from the Jews. So we see that indeed it's considered that it was theirs, so a non-Jew has the ability through captivity to acquire a Jew.